Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. Hope you all had a fabulous weekend. We won't get into some topics for today or weekend in basketball. We had some exciting games, some closeout games. Some guys are moving on to the next round. We're going to get into the Jacksonville Jaguars made two surprising moves just less than two weeks away from the season. And of course, we're going to tackle the dominance of Jamal Murray. That Nuggets Jazz series is one for the ages. So first, it looks like that LA, LA battle is getting a little bit closer. The Lakers closed out the Blazers in game five. Dame Lillard didn't play. So they're on. And of course, last night, the Clippers close out the Dallas Mavericks by a final score of 111 and 297 in game six. Some of the key stats, Dallas Mavericks, Luka, 38 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Finney Smith finished with 16 points. The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard continues to have like the quietest, great playoff so far. <laughs> He's just, it's just, it's the, 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Paul George finished with 15 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. That was a poor Zingas didn't play in the game. He had a torn meniscus. So he was out. At first it was just a sore knee, but later found out it was torn meniscus. So he didn't play. But Luka was out there balling. I tell you what, this kid is something special. This kid is something special. It's exciting to watch. One of the keys... In the game, Marcus Morris got ejected for striking Luka in the head during a drive to the basket. Now, a lot of people were wondering, they've been scrumming since the start of the series. A little bit of shoving, a little bit of this. You know, there's another incident where he stepped on his shoe and it fell off. Like It seemed like Marcus Morris was really going after that ankle. You know, at first, I thought it was not on purpose. And then as the series kind of got on, like, hey, this is getting to be on purpose, especially that last foul. He just wanted to slap him in the face and to say, hey, man, you're not going to keep doing this to us. But for him to do this by himself, basically, without Porzingis, the Dallas has really had no chance. They fought hard. The whole team fought hard, including all those guys, Finney Smith, Hardaway Jr. You know, Boban was doing his thing, too. You know, he was fun to watch. But the Dallas Mavericks just didn't have anything left. To really compete with the Clippers. And I believe that Marcus Morris instant became personal and came to be on purpose. He was, to me, attacking Luka in this, you know, this didn't, this didn't like the young kids scoring up pretty much average and triple-double on him. So that's what my takeaway from that is. They fought hard. They got a bright future for themselves. But Luka done. Luka is done. <laughs> You know, bounced out of playoffs. His first playoff series to average nearly a triple-double. I mean, look at his numbers. He was up there with Kawhi. He averaged uh, averaged 31 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. He was pretty much a triple-double walking out there every game, even without Perzingis. Kawhi, you know, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. So they, those two both have similar numbers. This just goes to tell you what Luka is his future in the NBA is like he's going toe to toe out there with the MVP an NBA finals MVP, a guy who's about ready to maybe do it for a third different team. He was going at him. So I give the kid a lot of spunk and a lot of credit for going after the Clippers the way he did. He fought hard. Unfortunately came up short, but the future, the future is very bright for the Dallas Mavericks. If Porzingis can stay healthy, that is his biggest problem right now. You know, he 
if he didn't exit this series with that torn miss, because I think Dallas would have been going to a game seven and that one would be up in the air. That would, this team is on a bright future if Porzingis can stay healthy. But for right now, Luka and the Mavs are done and the Eclipse are moving on to potentially facing the winner of the Denver Nuggets Utah Jazz Series if it will ever end. This is a series that you just don't want to end. But game six was yesterday and Jamal Murray and the Donovan Mitchell show continues. Game six, Denver Nuggets beat the Utah Jazz by a final score of 119 to 107. Jamal Murray, 50 points, five rebounds, six assists. The Joker, Jokic, 22 points, four rebounds, nine assists. Utah Jazz stats some Donovan Mitchell finished the game with 44 points, six rebounds, five assists. Mike Conley added 21 points, five rebounds, six assists. Rudy Gobert finished with a double-double with 11 points and 11 rebounds. But the story is, it is only right for this to go to a Game 7. Jamal Murray, man, this guy is playing out of his mind. Donovan Mitchell playing out of his mind. I mean, just look at these numbers. Can they stop? <laughs> can they just stop? Look at Jamal. Jamal, how can you stop a guy who's shooting 60% from the field in three-point range of that? Jamal Murray, look at, like, they aren't missing. Him and Donovan Mitchell just aren't missing a shot. It doesn't matter where it is. Last night, Jamal Murray, look at this. 17 of 24 from the field overall. 9 of 12 from 3. 7 of 9 from the foul line. And those 9 of 12 from 3, it's not like these guys aren't guarding them. It's not like anybody on the Utah Jazz is just not guarding. He was drilling step-back threes. And shooting over Rudy Gobert, who's got some definite height on him, like it was nothing. Like, this guy's just dribbling around here, like, playing a little bit of 2K. Like, when you're over-dominant on 2K or something, this running around, going crazy, this shooting it, it's going in. Same with Dava Mitchell, 14 of 25. 9 of 13 from 3. 7 of 7 from the foul line. These guys aren't missing and it is just an incredible show to watch we've had six games now it's only right to go to a game seven to figure out who is coming out of this series and who is going to be the one standing on top is it going to be jamal murray or davin mitchell somebody crown them at the end of game seven crown them because this is an exciting thing in basketball it's exciting to see two young guys is battling putting the team on the back and this battling like i've never seen anything like this in a i have never i don't think i have it's an, it's the first round it's not like the nba finals or something this is the first round series that these two teams are going at it it's like the first three games I would probably give in the head to Donovan Mitchell. But the last three games, I'm giving it to Jamal Murray. Like, this is, wow. What is going to happen in game seven? What is going to happen in game seven? Now, if I had to pick a team for the better matchup, I think the Nuggets will be a better matchup for the Clippers. Like, in terms of competitiveness, and I don't think the Jazz have a chance against the Clippers. I really don't think. I think the Nuggets have, because they have 
Joker with Jamal Murray. With Murray and Jokic, I think they have a shot at beating the Clippers. At least I, I don't think they're going to, but at least I think it'll be more competitive. Now for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell may have to like score 60 points a night. <laughs> I don't I can't see it. I can't see the Jazz even making a series out of there with the Clippers. I can see them stealing one, but that's it. Just because Donovan Mitchell will have that one game where like he this is unstoppable. But having Hey, man, we got Paul George. Kawhi on you is a little different story, too. Those two guys on on you or they switched off, it's going to be a little different story. That's why I don't think the Jazz will really have a shot against the Clippers. I think the Nuggets will. But we'll see what happens in Game 7. I don't know. It's a toss-up. Who do you pick? Flip a coin. Denver or the Utah? Who's going to come out? And face the Clippers. That's one thing. They're battling out right now. But then it's like, oh, shoot. We got to face the Clippers in the next round. It's going to be another heavyweight battle. I'm going to just roll with the Nuggets. I'm going to roll with the Nuggets just because I want another competitive series in the next round. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to roll with the Nuggets. But we'll see what happens um, tomorrow night in Game 7. Okay, now on to some football news. The Jacksonville Jaguars made a couple big-time, you know, roster moves today. And I'm just sitting here looking at like, this team was this a few years ago in the ASC championship game against the Patriots. Literally like a few plays away up in the game. And this whole team has imploded. They have now released Leonard Fournette and traded Yannick Ngagwe to the Vikings. <laughs> Did I say it right? Ngak- How do you say it? In- Ngakwe? I think I got it right. Yannick Ngakwe. Pretty sure that's how you get it. Please let me know if I'm saying that name wrong. That is a hard name to say. I tell you what. That is one a hard name to say. But anyways, let's start with this Leonard Fournette thing. You know, he's cut just after three seasons. They declined his fifth-year option earlier in the offseason, so he still had that one year left on rookie deal at $4 million. And that's why I'm a little shocked at that move. Because a running back of $4 million, they act like it's so expensive now in the NFL. They're like, oh, wow, $4 million for a running back. But $4 million for a running back, he had a great year. He's had a great, you know, he was actually stepping up in the passing game there uh, last year as well. Like over his career there in Jacksonville, he's had 2,631 yards, 17 touchdowns. Remember, he was the fourth overall pick in that 2017 draft. That was a monster running back draft. Everybody seems like they've come out pretty okay. You know, Christian McCaffrey was a notable out of that. He was picked four picks later by the Panthers. So, Leonard Fournette is out there in Jacksonville. This team is so imploded now. You would think they would keep it going. You know, and built off that 2017 2018 year like why can't they get it right in that organization that organization that just goes to tell you that they had Tom Coughlin in there and then they got rid of him Doug Marone's the head coach they should probably get rid of him too like this team this is why organizations fail this is why they fail because they brought back Blake Bortles if y'all remember right after that they brought him back on an and that was, he had like the worst career ever. He has been in the NFL since. He had the worst season pretty much ever as a quarterback. He hasn't been in the NFL since. And that's who they went with. 
if they had brought a quarterback in with that team, that defensive team, Calais Campbell was another guy they let, they let go this uh, offseason. Traded him. So, like, this team has so many people on both sides of the ball. They just didn't get over that little hump in that AFC Championship game. They could be talking Super Bowl. This would be a whole different story. This team has imploded right before everyone's eyes in the, in the NFL. And a poor fan base. I mean, this is, look at the scrimmage yards this last year. Leonard Fournette set career highs with over 1,100 rushing yards and 76 receptions. Okay. He accounted for 30.6% of the team's yards from scrimmage. There's only two people ahead of him. Kristen McCaffrey for the Panthers and Nick Chubb for the Browns. McCaffrey, of course, was the only option there in Carolina. He had 43.7%. Nick Chubb for Cleveland had 32.5%. So Leonard Fournette, that was his big thing there. He was a power running back in between a tackle guy, but he never really developed to a passing running back. But last year he proved he can catch the ball. He doesn't have that explosive speed where he can fly down the field. You know, but he proved that he could be a pass catching back out of the backfield. Now, of course, there's been some times where Leonard Fournette made some boneheaded moves. Didn't, you know, like what happened in the front office. You know, he got suspended. You know, he's he punched Shaq Lawson there one time for the Buffalo. Like, he's been in a little bit of trouble, I guess you could say. <laughs> but he's a pretty damn good back still. I think he still has a lot left in the tank. I think, hey, where is he going to land next? What team could pick him up? Tampa Bay Buccaneers for sure probably like to have them stay there in Florida. But this Jacksonville team has just let all of them go. Jalen Ramsey forced his way out. Now all these top stars, they're all the good players and the stars on the team have either forced their way out or just been cut. And if you look at their running back depth now, who are they going to hand the ball to? Like there's two guys on the roster, I don't even know. And Chris Thompson. Who's a veteran there? He's from Washington. So he play he's been hurt a lot throughout his entire career. So I don't know how that's gonna work out. But hey, Jay Gruden is the offensive coordinator, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the former Washington coach. He's the offensive coordinator there in Jacksonville. That's probably why he brought in Chris Thompson. And that's probably why they're releasing Leonard Fournette. Because he loves to throw the ball. He loves a back. They come out of the backfield and give it to him. Passing-wise, not running-wise. <laughs> He's not going to run the ball. He's going to have Garner Minshew out there throwing it and chucking the Chris Thomas all game. Dump passes. Little wide receiver screens, maybe. But ladies and gentlemen, Jay Gruden is the offensive coordinator, if anyone didn't know that. And that is probably one of the main reasons why he just doesn't fit in their type of offense. Because I think this guy still has a lot left in the tank. I think he can produce, I think the perfect fit may be Tampa. Actually, Seattle Seahawks. They love those you know, guys that go in between the tackles. They have Chris Carson there. He had a piece of pretty decent back. You know, they had Marshawn Lynch there for years. He is the Marshawn Lynch type of back. Leonard Fournette fits that mode pretty damn well. And I can see the Seattle Seahawks maybe making a move for him because their running backs always seem to get hurt. They always show a lot of promise, including Chris Carson. He looks like he could be a decent back. But adding Leonard Fournette, just to have another body in there, 
to run the football, I'm all for him joining the Seattle Seahawks. I think that would be a great fit for him and continue to have, you know, be around his game. That would be his game in between the tackles. First, second down, I'm going. So I think that's a great fit. And also Tampa, because why not give Tom Brady another weapon, you know? <laughs> and the other move, they Jags traded Yannick. In Gakway. I have to stop myself still. I'm sorry. I have to stop myself still when I say his name. In Gakway. Traded to the Vikings. They got a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 conditional fifth round pick. In return, that could be as high as third round pick. But that's only if the Vikings like go to the Super Bowl. I think it turns to a fourth round pick if he goes to the Pro Bowl. And he agreed to a pay cut. He wanted the money there in Jacksonville. He's played there for four years. He's been a dominant force on a defensive line, and he wanted some money, and he turned it down. They offered him 19 annually there at, at one point. He turned it down, I think that was last year, last offseason, not this past offseason, but last year's. He turned it down. Just like when you turn down money for the Jacksonville Jaguars to go somewhere else, you know it's right. And that's part and reason why he went to Minnesota. He agreed to a pay cut on a one-year $12 million deal, and to make it work, that's how much cap space the Vikings had. They only had 12.9. So he's like, hey, man, we'll get you over here. We'll trade you. But you got to agree to this pay cut and welcome to the team. <laughs> he, I guess he was all for it. He was all for it. Took the pay cut. He's going to make it $12 because he was on the franchise tag at 17.8. It would have to pay him 17.8. And the Vikings didn't have that kind of cap space like the Jaguars did. So they're able to rework the deal. He agrees to a one-year $12 million deal. We'll see what happens. You know, the Vikings lost Everson Griffin. He was a staple on that defensive line for him. He signed with the Cowboys. So it's what they they need another guy passing them, you know, being a pass rusher there. The guy's had 37 and a half sacks. He had eight last year, 14 forced fumbles over his career. So this guy is not a scrub. <laughs> you know, he's not a, he's he's a dominant force on that defensive line. Him. Over there, Jacksonville has lost him, Clias Campbell, Dante Fowler, like all these top, you know, people, like many more. There's many more on that list. And I'm, I may be missing a little more. But they drafted Young again. They drafted a kid out of LSU, Chase Sean. And then last year they had Josh Allen, who they picked in the top 10. They're out of Kentucky. So they knew they were get, all these guys were going. They were running them out. And they finally got the trade here. And... You know, he was a scrundled. I think the main, it's good that they moved on. Put it this way. It's great that they moved on because remember the spat he had on Twitter there with the owner's son? That went viral. He's definitely, <laughs> if somebody was getting at my son, I'd probably ship him out then. I would have shipped him out a long time ago if somebody was attacking my son, calling him names and threatening him and stuff. But hey, if I only happened less than two weeks before the season, guys. The NFL season is less than two weeks away. So for it to happen now, it's kind of like why. The, the biggest surprising moves, like I agree with the trade. Get him out of there. Get your picks. Build for the future. Maybe get Trevor Lawrence there out of Clemson. That is the talk now. Last year it was talk of the tank of Tua for the Miami Dolphins. Now it's going to be this year like tanking for Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But... I don't see why Garner Minshew may turn out to be an all right quarterback. The Garner Minshew there show. Why not Jacksonville? That's going to be your only selling ticket point this season. Cause I don't know what else you're going to do on the field, but 
you know, the Leonard Fournette one is a surprising one to me. You only had to pay him $4 million. That was it. $4 million. <laughs> if you can't do $4 million, I'd stick with it for Let's let the, especially I couldn't get a trade partner for him. Like nobody could offer you like a, even a fifth or sixth round pick. Doug Marone came on and said there was no trade value for him. Nobody wanted to trade for him. But you're telling there was talk before the draft. There was teams looking maybe f- trade a late round pick for him. Like you couldn't just get like a fifth or a sixth round pick and just dump him that way. Like that is what kind of baffles me about the whole thing. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your host, Tanner Christian. Be sure to check out the official website there at feeltheheatentertainment.com. That's feeltheheatent.com, as well as the Instagram there at feeltheheatentertainment for all your latest sports and news and questions regarding the show. Remember, Monday through Friday, available on all streaming platforms. Be sure to check it out, subscribe, tell your friends, let them know about the show. And, of course, hey... Game one tonight, Milwaukee versus Miami. You know I'm going to be watching it. You know that's going to be a topic on tomorrow's show. So be on the lookout for that. Y'all have a blessed day out there. Peace out.